Thank you, Bishop. Um, I just want to, uh, I want to thank God for this opportunity. Um, I do want to honor my bishop, our bishop, first lady, sister. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. And sister Hannah and sister Raymond. <laughs> This is truly an honor to be able to minister with my husband. I, we have been married in August. It will be 23 years. And I thank God for that. And I just want to say, enemy, we're still here. Things have tried to come, but God. I want to honor my children, um, Faith and Rashawn and Isaac. I believe they're watching and their families. And uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, God bless y'all. So I'm going to start by on, some of us were here on the prayer meeting um, last Monday. And um, God bless Sister Massey for obeying the Lord. I'm going to read what the Lord said. He said that the world sees this as a COVID-19 pandemic. But he has spent this season not only preparing this body, but proving this body. Testing this body, making sure this body would follow him. The Lord has watched the decisions made in this body. The Lord is pleased as he has spoken before with this body and this shepherd. Do not pray off this testing. Do not ask it to leave. For I have tested the children of Israel in Egypt, and when I brought them out, and many times they had failed me, their idols became more important to them than obeying my word. So I raised up a new generation to enter the promised land. This body will not repeat what they did, but do not pray off the testing. I'm performing a work in you that you don't even know about. I'm putting things in you that you're not even aware of. I'm placing you in regions and areas that you have not heard of. Do not pray off the testing. And so the Lord gave me this title, After the Fire, Then Comes the Glory. My question actually was going to be to start out, has anyone felt like they've been in the fire lately? Anybody? <laughs> but it's evident because God said, you're in the fire, you're in the testing. Do you have stresses in your mind? Anger flare-ups, family issues, sickness in your body, money issues, car broke down. One thing after another, things you just don't understand. Trials and tribulations you felt you've never been through before. <clears throat> God is going to use this to help us as we're going through in our lives. 
to understand that this is going to mold and to shape us. But ultimately, it's making us more like him so we can bring him glory. It seems this message kind of came together piece by piece throughout the last few months. We've known for a while, as Bishop said, that we would be teaching, and it came really fast. (laughs) But back in May, the early part of May, God gave me one word. He dropped a word in my spirit, and he said, afterward. And afterward means eventually, later. It means to expect that something is going to happen. There's something going to happen. In Hebrews 12 and 11, it says, Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, the chastening actually means all the definitions and things that I found are strongs, unless I I reference Webster. Um, But the education, disciplinary correction, training, or instruction. When it's grievous, it's sadness. It brings affliction or pain. But when it yields, it gives you. You're rewarded with a commission. And I thought commission. My dad's in the military. Oh, hi, dad, if you're watching. (laughs) Commission is an act of entrusting or giving authority or under the authority of. It means to empower. So speaking of empowering, we're going to go to Acts 1, 4 through 5, and then we'll read 8. It says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. They were to wait for the promise. It definitely meant something was coming afterwards. People of God, something big is coming. Bishop's been talking about it. Last Wednesday, confirmation after confirmation, prayer, the men of God, the women of God, through tongues and interpretation and prophecies. Hold on, go through, for it's making us for what's coming ahead. So let's talk about the fire. My dad sent me this picture of a mountain range. It's quite a bit off from their house. And they live in Tucson, Arizona. It seems like when he sends the picture to me, though, it's the mountain is always on fire. And the flames are like leaping over the top of the hills. They're dancing, and they seem to be aglow with radiance. The fires are started sometimes by lightning strikes and sometimes by the carelessness of men. But the firefighters battle the blaze that burns thousands of acres and brush and trees and sometimes some homes. But the wind seems to drive the blazes 
and they seem to have a mind of its own and tears through territories, destroying everything in its path. It's a consuming fire, Brother Brant. In Hebrews 12 and 29, the scripture says, for our God is a consuming fire. Consuming means to burn up utterly. It frequently denotes opposition or intensity. God, a consuming fire, devouring me, consuming me until there's nothing left of me. Yes. As we read in the scriptures above 12 and 29, it goes in detail of how he's consuming us. He's actually shaking. So Hebrews 12, 25 through 28 says, See that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth also, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifies the removing of the things that are shaken, as of the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptedly, acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And shake or shook, that means to agitate, to disturb, to stir up. Does that sound familiar, people of God? God's allowing agitations. He's disturbing. He's stirring up some of the temporal things in our lives, things that we've learned way back, fear, anger, rage, control, all the things that are not like him. They'll be shaken away so that we can receive his kingdom, which shall not be moved. I'm going to read it in the message version. It says, um, it's the same scripture, Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. But it says, don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time, he's told us quite plainly, he'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to, be, to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is a fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I... I like home renovation stuff. I like to see um, 
where they take like a home or a piece of furniture that's broken down, stained and ugly, something that normally like I'd probably throw in the trash. They make something new and beautiful. From the ground up, sometimes they have to go all the way down to the very foundation and rebuild it. And I feel like that's actually what's happening in me. As it's rebuilt, it becomes beautiful, strong, and not easily shaken. The ways that I've thought about things, the way that I've seen things through my own eyes and my own understanding are all being broken down. They're being deconstructed, consumed, and God is building it back up again. And I actually came across this uh, example of how fire is used. And a precious sister blessed me that I was, she actually made this for me. It's a um, Japanese technique called shoshugiban. You may or may not have heard of it. But it's, <laughs> it's a technique of using fire from a blowtorch to preserve, finish, and make wood stronger. It actually makes the wood weatherproof and absolutely beautiful. Now, in this process, into the music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got scared. I was like, <laughs> so it actually starts out as just a piece of wood, but this is a chosen piece of wood. And they char the wood surface enough so that eats, it eats into the wood. Now, they take a blowtorch, extreme fire, and it goes deep. When the wood starts to separate, like you would see on a log in a fireplace, then it's done. But the end grain burns slower than the face grain. So there's particular attention that's paid to the sides of the pieces. And so it's just like as the Lord, he consistently watches while you're in the fire, making sure that nothing can destroy you, but he keeps it, he keeps it to where... <laughs> the torch, as it goes over the wood, five to ten seconds back and forth. Now it's completely charred, but unfortunately we're not done yet with just the charring. <laughs> Once it's charred, there's a wood brush that's taken, or a um, wire brush that's taken over the surface of the wood to remove the spots and loose particles. So it's wire brush. Pretty intense process to make something beautiful. And then comes the water. It rinses away everything, and it just beads right off so it doesn't harm. It becomes highly resistant to mold, insects, water, and even fire. So it's stronger for the next trial. The process shrinks the cells of the wood, making it less permeable. And that wire brush removes all the char. And all of a sudden, it's revealing the character of the wood, the handiwork of God's hand. 
it reveals a rich, dark color. And this is the point where the texture of the grain is revealed. Be prepared for characteristic changes in the fire. It produces God in us. And once it's wire brushed, we're still not done yet. The oil is applied. And to me, I instantly thought of the Holy Ghost. You rub the oil on the wood and apply a few coats and hit it one last time with fire, and then it completely seals it. The wood will now last 80 to 100 years. The fire is making us stronger, people of God. It helps us last until one day we go to be with him. Now we're going to finish with the glory. The fire sends us through God's divine process. And after all this, it leads us to the glory. Romans 5, 1 through 5. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation works patience. That phrase in in, uh, verse 3 got my attention, and not only so. It actually stood out to me. It says, not only that, more than that, but that's not all. So if we insert that back in there, it says, not only that, and that's not all. We glory in tribulations, which are the pressures, the afflictions, the burdens, and troubles, the fires of our lives. Knowing that tribulation worketh, it fully works, it accomplishes, and it works out patience which is cheerful endurance and patient continuance, which means waiting. Patience brings experience and experience hope. Experience is a test. It's acceptable, approved, and tried. The word trustiness was in there, and I was like, trustiness? Okay. Um, I went and looked it up. In Webster, it says it's dependable, reliable, tried, found good, and faithful. And I believe that God not only wants us to experience that from him, but also he's expecting it from us, but we will experience that with him. We truly experience the Lord, and we find all that he is and even more. And hope, it makes not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad into our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And I read into your hearing 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though something, some strange thing happened to you. A fiery trial, it's to be ignited. There's a word, it says conflagration. I was like, what is that? <laughs> so I went to Webster. It actually means a disastrous fire or a conflict of war. And I thought of the war between the spirit and the flesh. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, 
For the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. And here is the manifestation of the glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 12. And then we'll read 16 through 18. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Through the fires, people of God, he's creating us to be more like him. And that's what brings him glory. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And as you've received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, the treasure's deposited in you, people of God. We're the earthen vessels, his spirit on the inside, and that's the evidence that he's there. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So death to my will, so that his will can prevail. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. Mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. As we skip down to 16 and 18 of the same chapter, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I'm just going to read 17 and 18 in the message version. It says, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things that we see here today, they're gone tomorrow. But the things that we can't see will last forever. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, He says, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Remember, this is about the glory. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover, whom he did predestinate. Them he also called. Those he called, he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So he knew you beforehand. That's what foreknow is. He predestinate, predetermined, he ordained you, he fashioned you as in conformed. Another meaning in Strong's for conformed means denoting union with or together by association or companionship with him. A process, resemblance, and completeness. When you're called, he called you out loud by name. He handpicked and he chose each and every one of you. He commanded you to come forth, just like in Genesis 1 and 1, when he said, it happened. When you're justified, 
He rendered you and showed you as innocent, free, holy, and righteous. And when you're glorified, he, it says to, to praise, to extol, to magnify, to celebrate you, to honor you, to hold you in honor, to make you glorious, to adorn you with luster, which is a glow of reflected light. You're clothed with splendor, people of God, great brightness and brilliancy, magnificent. To impart glory to something is to render it excellent. People of God, do you know who you are? You are excellent. You're make, to make renowned. He highly honored and celebrated you. Cause to have dignity. He gave you high rank and position. You're not just normal. <laughs> a legal title of nobility or honor and worth. He said you're worth something, people of God. The enemy may say different, but God says you have great worth. And you reflect Jesus when you have his spirit on the inside. He allows you to walk through the fire, people of God. It may get intense at times, but hold on. The Lord is preparing us to be like him, to walk in this world in his anointing and to do his work. And eventually one day we'll go to be with him.